Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I hear voices. They're all around me. I wish I could go back in time and tell myself to never play that damn game. They say I'm crazy and maybe I am. Maybe whatever it is that haunts me took my sanity and just hid it away. Somewhere where it's impossible to find. Somewhere dark and sinister. Maybe they buried it deep down into the core of the earth and it's just sitting down there waiting to be found. I sound crazy, don't I? You think I'm crazy and it's okay because I think I am as well. I'm going to share this story and I'm going to share it as much as possible. I don't care if you believe me. All I ask from you is to read this story and don't make the same mistake that I've made. I'm sure you've heard of true hauntings such as the haunting of Connecticut and Amityville and Maybe you've seen the movie The Conjuring that was based on true events. You never heard of this one, though. Those hauntings cannot compare to what I've witnessed. Nothing can. It was in 2005 when I came across some old abandoned apartment building. i just finished the first semester of my senior year of college, and I was walking alone to my dorm from the bar. I was always alone. I didn't have many friends other than Jake and his brother Joel. They were my roommates. But they were always busy doing something else with their girlfriends, and I was always alone, hoping that a bottle of whiskey would solve my problems. When I came across the old building, I heard this creepy and demonic melody playing from inside. It sounded like a music box and it was echoing somehow. I had the strange urge to go inside and find out where it was coming from. I threw my bottle of whiskey and it broke against the curb. I walked inside the abandoned building, something I would never do if I were sober. My footsteps echoed throughout the building as I walked the halls. Most of the windows were boarded up, and dust filled the air clinging onto every object that existed. I could actually taste the dust as it broke into my mouth and into my throat, causing me to cough. I moved at a leisurely pace. Dust spiraled up into clouds as I wandered the halls, searching for whatever the music was coming from. I know it sounds stupid, but I was being drawn to the sound. It had some weird effect on me. I walked into a room and the music had stopped. The room was just like the rest of the building. Old, dusty, and dark. I used the light from my cell phone to examine the old paintings that hung on the walls. I noticed how weird it was that most of the rooms had furniture left in it. And it looked as if whoever were living there just got up and left leaving behind everything. As I searched the room, I had this overwhelming sense that somebody or something was watching me. I felt like if I were to turn around, something would be there. I turned around, but I didn't see anything. I still had a sense that something was there, though. Something was watching me. I then heard the creepy melody echo from beneath the floor and I had to find out where it was coming from. I don't know why, it just seemed like I was being forced to the sound, like I had no choice in the matter. The melody was coming from underneath the dusty rag. I pulled up the rag, dust scattered in the air like a dust storm. 
and I felt the floor lightly shaking, and it made a sound similar to a heartbeat. It sounds crazy, but it was almost as if the floor had a pulse. There was a door on the floor that opened up, leading to some storage area. It was a deep hole, around 12 feet, which is why there was a ladder made from rope. I climbed down the rope, another thing I wouldn't do if I were sober. There wasn't much in there, just some old books, a box, and a creepy ventriloquist doll with long black hair and big round eyes. I noticed the strange melody was coming from the box. I picked it up, and I started to climb the rope. I couldn't help but to fear that something would grab me and pull me back down there. I made it back up and I placed the box on the floor, shining light over it with my phone. It looked like a briefcase, but it was made of what seemed like black stone with some strange word, Ikidomari, carved into the center of it. I brushed the dust off with my hand and I opened it. I noticed it wasn't a box or a briefcase. It was a board game. The structure of the board game was similar to the game of life, but it had a cemetery theme, and in the center of the board, it had what appeared to be a human heart inside a small glass dome. I've never seen anything like that before. It had six game pieces that took on the shape of tombstones and were made of real stone. On the right side, it had a deck of red cards, and on the left were black cards. I noticed there was small writing carved on the inside of the game. If you dare to play, beware of the demons. I figured it was just for scare, and so I did something that I wish I hadn't done. I was being curious, lonely, drunk, and curious. There was a wheel at the bottom right corner of the game that had numbers ranging from 0 to 9, and the objective was to spin the wheel and move your game piece to the amount of whatever number you spun. I placed the game piece to the starting point, and I spun the wheel. I watched as it spin around and around until eventually it stopped at 4. I was going to move my piece up 4 spots when suddenly... It began to move on its own. One, two, three, four. And then it stopped. I froze in fear for a few seconds. Normal people would have probably ran off by then, but for some strange reason, I just kept on playing, assuming there was a logical explanation for it. But I've always been that way. I've always lived by what my father told me. Believe in nothing you hear, in only half of what you see. Apparently, when I spun a four, I landed on a black space. According to the game, black spaces meant you had to draw a black card. Black cards were more like tips or secrets. They weren't always bad. I picked up a black card from the deck. The words were in Japanese. But at the bottom of the card, in smaller letters, they were translated into English. I looked at the card and read it out loud. Keep an eye on the doll. I looked over at the hole in the floor, and I stood on my feet. I slowly walked toward it, lightly shaking. My teeth were grinding against each other as I got closer. I leaned over the hole, and I felt as my heart knocked on my chest begging to come out if you're an athlete you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down after all a team is only as good as its weakest link so you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field that's why there's no vape in team when you vape you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs if you're a step behind the team's a step behind Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. There was no doll. It was just... gone. I quickly left that old building and I ran to my dorm room, which was just five minutes away. 
My roommates were all there with their girlfriends, sitting on the couch when I burst through the door, suffocating in sweat and fear. I told them about what had happened, without leaving out a single detail. Now, they didn't believe me, of course, and I'm not really sure if I expected them to, but I sure did hope that they would. They called me crazy, said I had way too much to drink, and they helped me go to bed. I hope they were right. I'd rather be crazy than to know what had just happened was real. Now, almost a week went by and I had forgotten about it all. I figured maybe it was nothing after all, and that I made a bigger deal out of it than I needed to. I stopped drinking, believing that it would never cure my loneliness. It was almost a whole entire week since the incident, and I thought I wouldn't have to worry about ever going back to that old building. I thought that my troubles were over, but I found out that they weren't even close to over. They were just beginning. Something strange happened to me, something only explainable in a Twilight Zone episode or maybe even a Stephen King book. I was in school, as usual, walking down the hall to my class. It was strange because I was the only one in the halls, and the lights were dim and flickering. I heard a whisper as it echoed from behind me. Ekadomari. I didn't know what that meant at the time. I had no idea what was going on or why it was happening until I heard the music. It was that same haunting melody and it echoed through the halls. I started walking faster, scampering down the hall, but it seemed like I was just walking in circles. Everywhere I went, no matter how fast I walked, I was going nowhere. I kept walking until I saw somebody or something at the end of the hall. I couldn't really see who it was because I was too far away, but it looked like a woman. She was in a white dress, and her head was tilted at an unusual angle. Ikatomari, she said more than once in a very unsettling tone that echoed through the halls. She had a Japanese accent, and I thought I was dreaming, but I was very much awake. She continued to whisper, Come back, Gordon. We're waiting for you. I felt like I was stuck in a nightmare that I couldn't wake up from. She kept talking to me, and I had no idea how she knew my name. Gordon. I see you, Gordon. Come back. The most creepy part about her voice was the somewhat happy tone and the way it echoed. I turned to my left and noticed I found my classroom. I walked inside and everybody was looking at me like I was crazy. I guess they saw the fear in my eyes. I looked out into the halls and everything was normal as if nothing had happened. My teacher scolded me for being late and I took my seat. I was clearly the only one who was experiencing that nightmare, so I didn't want to bring it up, because I know that everyone else would say that I'm crazy, and that I'm losing my damn mind. They wouldn't have been wrong. Now I waited until I got back to the dorm room to bring it up with my roommates. They again thought I was crazy and was no help at all. I've heard the haunting melody every night while in bed, and every morning while in school. Something was haunting me, and I know that this sounds crazy, but it was the board game. I didn't know if it was cursed, possessed, or what, but it was haunting me, and it was driving me to the brink of losing my sanity. It was nothing but that melody for a whole entire week, until one day, something strange happened. I was alone in my dorm room. The other guys were out on dates like every Friday night. I heard the melody as it squeezed through the cracking of my window. It echoed off the trees and right down to my soul. I then heard a knock at the door, 
and it startled me because it was a knock that I'd never heard before. You see, every one of my roommates had a certain knock, but that knock was more like a pound, and every time I heard it, I felt my heart pounding along with it. I slowly walked to the front door and took a deep breath before opening. My father used to tell me to count to three if I were ever scared and then fight the fear with all I've got. I took another deep breath. The knocking continued and I slowly began counting. One, two, three. I opened the door. There was nobody in sight. I looked to the floor and there was an envelope. I picked it up and examined it. There was no name or anything, so I opened it. My heart was knocking as I pulled out a black card. Ikidomari was written on one side, and on the other, we're waiting for you. They were haunting me, probably watching my every move for the past two weeks. They wanted me to finish the game, and they weren't going to stop until I did it. It was as if I ran into a dead end that I couldn't back out of. I kept the card in the sweaty palm of my left hand, and I waited impatiently and desperately for my roommates to arrive, and they were just as annoyed as I was when they heard me talking about the melody again. I told them about the knocking. I told them about how the game was haunting me, and the only way to get it to stop was to finish what I had started. I guess showing them the black card was proof enough because I was able to get them to agree to go back to the apartment with me. They said the only reason they were doing it was to get me to shut up about it. But deep down inside, I knew they were doing it because they knew that something strange was going on. So we gathered some flashlights and headed out to the old apartments. Joel brought his girlfriend, Kenzie, along with us. I didn't think they all knew exactly what they were getting into. I didn't even know really. The only thing I knew was that I had to finish the game, or it would probably haunt me for the rest of my pathetic life. When we arrived at the building, I had the strange feeling that something was watching us as we ambled our way inside. They followed me to the room, jokingly calling out to the ghosts that I believe resided in there on the way. I was startled by the appearance of the dolls sitting against the wall, next to the old furnace. Her cheeks, if I weren't imagining this were smiling at me as I walked by. The game was just where I had left it, and had started playing that creepy melody when I picked it up and placed it on the table, and I was surprised to find that they were hearing it along with me. And that was when I knew that I wasn't going crazy. I wasn't the only one. In a way, it was a huge weight taken off my shoulders. Ikidomari, what is that even supposed to mean? Kenzie asked, looking at the carved writing on the board. She looked at me, expecting an answer. I had no idea what it meant, I still don't, but it can't be anything good. We all took a seat at the table and all eyes were pretty much on me. I flicked the wheel and it spun, landing on six. We all watched my game piece, but it wasn't moving. Not like it did the last time. I spun again, landing on four. Still nothing. I tried moving the place manually, but it was stuck to the board. It was like trying to pull a nail from a wall with your bare hands. I figured there must have been a reason for this, so I read the rules that were written at the bottom corner of the board and I wish I had read them before I played. The rules were very horrifying, and they pretty much went like this. Welcome to the game of Ikadomari. For your safety, it is highly recommended that you read the rules before you play the game. If you place a game piece on the board and you spin the wheel, there is no going back. 
you hit a dead end, and there's no way around it but to finish the game. The game will not end until there's one person left alive. Otherwise, it can never end. Note, this game is designed for more than one player, so if you are alone, do not start the game. Consequences will be dire. Note, the game pieces tend to move on their own, so there is no need to move them manually. Not that you could anyway. Warning, to whomever dares to play the game, be aware that there can only be one winner, and that winner shall win the ultimate prize that sits in the center of the board. To those who fail along the way, rest in peace. Warning, cheating is not tolerated and will result in dire consequences and an automatic ejection. When I found that the game meant everything that was said, the rules made it seem like this game was a death wish. I still, to this day, wish I had read the rules first. I wouldn't be here right now, surrounded by demons, if I had. Everyone else, I guess, thought it was just the game. They had no idea how real this situation was. Since I apparently already took my turn, Jake volunteered to go next. He placed the game piece at the starting point and spun the wheel. He rolled a seven, and his piece slowly moved up seven spaces, landing on a light shade of gray. Which, by the way, meant you didn't have to draw a card. Joel went next, and he spun a five, landing on a gray spot. And finally, it was Kenzie's turn. She placed her tombstone on the board and spun the wheel. Four. I knew instantly that would be a black spot because I spun that the first time. Her piece moved up four spaces, and she drew a black card from the deck. I took a deep breath, probably more scared than she was. When I saw her reaction, I saw the fear crawl within her. Look behind you. She read the card out loud. We all took our flashlights and pointed them behind her. What the hell is that thing? Joel asked, not really expecting an answer. Wasn't that thing over there? Jake asked, looking at me and pointing to the furnace. It was the doll. She somehow moved from the furnace to the rocking chair that sat behind Kenzie without anyone noticing. She was just sitting there, the chair rocking lightly back and forth. At that point, I'm sure everybody realized how serious and real the situation was. I heard their heartbeats echo throughout the room. They were just as scared as I was. I agreed to switch seats with Kenzie, who of course wasn't very comfortable with the creepy dolls sitting on a rocking chair right behind her. Not that I wasn't uncomfortable with it either. We got back to the game, trying to ignore the creaking of the rocking chair. It was my turn. I spun the wheel and landed on a seven. My piece moved slowly. I counted the spaces before it could stop. It landed on gray. Jake was next. He spun the wheel and landed on five. His piece slowly moved and stopped directly in front of mine. Shit, he muttered. He landed on a black spot so he pulled the black card out of the deck and read it out loud. It's okay to be afraid because you should be. We were indeed afraid, and yet, we were just getting started. The worst had yet to come. I took a deep breath, hoping nothing would viciously pop out at us. It was Joel's turn, so he spun the wheel and landed on four, a gray space. Kenzie spun the wheel and landed on zero. Her piece did not move, and it stayed put on the black space. According to the rules, that would still result in drawing a black card. She pulled a card from the deck, took a deep breath, and read it out loud. She's under the floor. We were all silent, and we listened as a voice echoed through. It's dark down here. 
The voice was echoing from beneath the floor. I can't sleep, Gordon. They all looked at me as if I knew what was going on. This woman or thing was haunting me. We heard a knock from under the floor right beneath us. The air was so cold and we actually felt a presence run through us. It was a horrifying experience, but we knew we had to continue the game. It was my turn and I quickly spun the wheel and thankfully, my tombstone moved to a gray space. It was Jake's turn next. He spun the wheel, landing on nine. His game piece moved up nine spaces and it stopped on red. Now we hadn't had a red space so we had no idea what would happen next. All that we knew was that the red cards were considered dead ends and were unpredictable and possibly dangerous. We didn't know at the time how deadly they'd be. Jake took a red card from the deck and we all took a deep breath as he began to read it. A knock will rumble the room, open the door, or be doomed. We all looked at each other, our faces frozen in fear. Then came the knock. It was loud, more like a pound similar to the knocking that took place earlier that day in our dorm. It did rumble the room and echoed right through us our hearts becoming vulnerable and frail. Open the door or be doomed, I said looking at Jake. I'm sorry man, but you have to open the door. He looked at me and I saw the fear leaking from his eyes. His face was pale as he took a deep breath and stood up. We watched as he slowly walked to the door, and I realized nobody had shut the door and yet somehow it was closed without anyone noticing. I had an overwhelming sense that something bad was about to happen. The room rumbled again as there was another loud knock. Jake finally reached the door after what seemed like an eternity and he looked back at us. The longer he took, the more frightening the situation it seemed. I couldn't blame him though. There was no telling what could have been behind that door. It could have been something demonic, something sinister. He took another deep breath as he slowly opened the door. I listened to the sound as it creaked open, and I swear, everything was in slow motion. Part 2 the doll stood motionless in front of the door, waiting to be invited inside. As the light from Jake's flashlight shined upon its dusty wooden face, It's that damn creepy doll, he yelled, quickly walking back to the table. I really didn't understand how the doll was standing without anybody to hold it up. Most or all ventriloquist dolls required someone to hold it up but this doll stood on its feet with no problem. Maybe someone was holding it up or someone or something that we couldn't see. I believe the doll was alive somehow, either that or someone or something was moving it from place to place without any of us noticing. Joel was up next so we spun the wheel. His game piece moved five spaces to another gray space. Kenzie spun the wheel, and her game piece also moved to a gray space. It was then my turn, so I spun the wheel. We just wanted to get the game over with, so we were getting through quickly. We barely even talked to each other. I spun an eight, and my game piece moved slowly until it stopped on a red space. I looked around at everyone. They all looked frightened except for Joel, who I guess still had the mentality that it was all just a game. I pulled the red card from the deck and took a deep breath before reading it. Don't be scared, we have just begun. The doors are now locked, and there's nowhere to run. Creepy riddles. I don't know why, but the fact that they rhymed was very unsettling to me. We all looked at each other, stuck in fear for what seemed like an eternity. 
we heard footsteps echoing throughout the halls, and it sounded as if someone were running relentlessly around the building. What the hell is going on? Jake asked, looking at me. Everybody looked at me as if I knew the answer. I had no idea what was going on. The only thing I knew was that we were in deep trouble. Jake suddenly got up and scampered outside the room and down the hall. We all followed him out, and I tried to convince him that we couldn't leave until the game was finished. It was frightening to find out that even if we wanted to leave, there was no way that we could. The doors were locked and the windows were boarded. We were stuck there with no way out. The only way was to finish the game. While Jake and Joel furiously wandered the building in search for a way out, I was right behind them, trying to get them to understand that we had to finish the game or we would never get out. And things were starting to get out of control. Jake and Joel were arguing, and it got to the point where I had to yell for them to both shut the hell up. We have to finish the damn game, I explained. The game is cursed and there's no way I'm playing it, Jake replied. And then there was finally an understanding of how serious and real the game was. The melody started echoing throughout the halls. It was calling for us. It took me a while to get everybody to understand that if we do not finish the game, we die either way. It was a frightening situation we were in, but finishing the game was the only way out. We all walked back into the room and back to the game, and I noticed the doll sitting back in the rocking chair. I don't think anybody else noticed. We took our seats, didn't say anything at all as we finally continued the game. One thing about it is that it can literally drive you to go insane. See, that was happening to all of us. Since I drew the red card that locked the doors, it was Jake's turn. He spun the wheel and landed on a gray spot. Joel was next and he spun the wheel. His game piece moved up five spaces, landing on black. He drew a black card from the deck and read it. Don't be afraid, but there's someone on the furnace... The only thing I liked about the black cards was that they didn't rhyme. We flashed our flashlights at the furnace that sat on the other side of the room, and what we saw will give me nightmares, even if I'm not asleep. Her face was insidious, and she just sat there on the furnace, tapping it with her fingers. Her eyes were dark. You couldn't see anything inside them but pure evil. Her skin was pale and rotting, and you could actually smell her. There was blood lightly dripping from her mouth, and it seemed as if her jaw were broken because it hung unnaturally low as her neck tilted to an angle that no neck should ever be. I swear she was looking at me. I couldn't really tell because her eyes were dark, but I know she was looking at me. She still does. Every time I close my eyes, I see her. Her dreadful face and vile smile will probably haunt me for the rest of my life. We continued the game, trying to ignore the smell, the tapping on the furnace and the fact that something sinister was just behind us. Kenzie was next then she spun the wheel, ending up on a gray space. I was next and also ended up on gray. Jake spun the wheel and we watched restlessly as it stopped on red. We were so worried about what would happen next that we didn't notice the tapping and smell was no longer lingering and that whatever that thing was, was no longer there. Jake took a red card from the deck I could tell how scared he was by the emptiness in his eyes and how slow he was moving. We were all scared about what would happen next. She sits in the dark and she feeds on fear. Don't be afraid, 
or she'll reappear. Everything was silent. You could hear the sound of our hearts beating against our chests if you were there. They were beating and begging for the fear to go away, and no matter how many times I counted to three, the fear was like a never-ending curse upon us. Our flashlights started flickering until they went out completely. The room was black, and I was convinced that we were already dead and in hell. We heard the sounds of heavy breathing, and it most definitely wasn't any of us. It was something more demonic and haunting. We heard the tapping against the furnace, and the music started playing from the game, the creepy melody that echoed throughout the room. We felt a pulse, and that pulse was coming from the heart that sat ghastly at the center of the board game. After a minute, everything became silent again, but it was still completely dark. We sat in silence for about 15 seconds before the hopeless screaming of Jake echoed throughout the room and out into the hall. The door slammed shut, and we were stuck helpless in the room listening to the screaming of Jake as it faded down the hall. Something dragged him away. Joel pounded on the door as he yelled for his brother, but there was nothing else we could do but continue the game. I tried to convince both Joel and Kenzie that Jake was probably fine, even though I knew very well that he wasn't. I just wanted to finish the game. We sat back down, saddened by the empty seat at the table. I didn't know if anyone else was seeing what I was seeing, because they said nothing about it. But I saw that thing again. That woman sitting on the furnace, tapping away. I ignored her and we continued on, still traumatized by what had just happened. But to make matters worse, Jake's game piece, his tombstone, moved suddenly to the bottom right of the board where the other tombstones resided. He was officially out of the game. Joel was next, he spun the wheel and barely missed the red by one space. Kenzie spun then, and her tombstone stopped on gray. I then spun the wheel and my tombstone moved six spaces to black. Black cards no longer scared me, compared to the haunting red ones. They were harmless. I took a card from the deck and read it, my voice becoming frail. She's watching you. I flashed my flashlight around the room, not really sure what I was going to see. I saw the doll sitting against the wall of the bedroom door. She was looking right at me, her evil stare pierced into my mind as a memory. I ignored her, turning back to the game, and we continued. Joel was next. He spun the wheel and landed on six. We watched as his tombstone stopped on a red space. He took his time before drawing a red card from the deck. They're calling from the graveyard gates. You finished disturbing the dead. Lock the doors and stay away. There's something you will dread. We looked around at each other, confused and worried. We heard the footsteps and the moaning echoing from the halls. The smell of their rotting skin could be smelled from miles away. They were coming towards us, their footsteps and moaning getting louder as they got closer. The door was opening when Joel and I slammed it shut, just before they were coming in. We moved the refrigerator over to the door to keep them from breaking through, and it worked out well. They were moaning, growling, and hungry for flesh. There had to be at least ten of them. I wasn't exactly sure what they were, but they were clearly something possessed and something dead. After a while, the moaning and pounding at the door had stopped, and I guess whatever those things were, they were just entering the graveyard and laying back down into their dreadful graves. Kenzie spun the wheel after everything calmed down, and we were finally able to breathe. 
her game piece moved to a gray spot. I spun the wheel afterwards, meeting a gray space as well. Joel was next, and he spun the wheel, just missing red by one space. Kenzie spun the wheel, and her tombstone moved eight spaces and stopped just in front of Joel's. She landed on red. We looked at each other, the dead silence adding to the suspense as she took a red card from the deck. She read it slowly. Her hands were noticeably shaking as she held the card in her hand. She waits behind the bedroom door under the sheets. She walks on the floor. Well, what the hell is that supposed to mean? Joel asked us if anyone actually knew the answer. The bedroom door creaked open. Shining my flashlight, I saw a hand reach out of the door and admit a gesture that was basically saying, Come here. What happened next, I really didn't understand. It was as if Kenzie was possessed or something, because she got out of her chair and slowly walked toward the door. I saw the emptiness in her eyes. It was like she had no soul. She was like a walking corpse. What the hell are you doing, Kenzie? Joel asked worriedly. Get the hell back here, Mackenzie. He stood from his chair and tried to stop her, but it was too late. She was pulled inside and the door slammed shut. It was silent, other than the sound of Joel pounding on the door. We didn't hear a single sound coming from the room. We managed to get the door open a few minutes later. We were hearing a creaking sound, and that sound was coming from a rope that was wrapped around Kenzie's neck as she hung from the ceiling. She rocked slowly back and forth, and her jaw hung low in an unnatural position, as if it were broken. Joel pulled her down and tried to revive her, but there was nothing, not even a trained doctor could do anything. She was dead. He was oblivious to the breathing sound that echoed throughout the room. There was something in there with us, something sinister. The room wasn't completely dark. We were able to see without our flashlights due to the moon that shined vividly outside the window. We couldn't see anyone, but we heard it breathing. The smell was unbearable, and it wasn't coming from Kenzie's corpse. It was coming from the thing that suddenly walked out of the closet and sat at the side of the bed. Joel and I just stood there in fear as she turned her head towards us, our minds traumatized by her deadly dark eyes. She was tapping against the nightstand next to the bed and she had some dusty sheets that were once white wrapped around her shoulders. I realized it was probably the same woman or thing that sat on the furnace. She just stared at us. The room was silent in the most horrifying way. The only thing we could hear was her heavy breathing. Shh, she whispered. Her finger pressed to her lips. I love this song. The music from the game was playing. She got out of the bed and she danced around the room. The terrible smell followed behind her. Her voice was probably the most creepy part of it all. It was her creepy tone and the way it echoed. I turned over to Joel trying to understand why we hadn't left the room yet. Let's get the hell out of here, Joel. I said. He stood up off the floor and looked at me. My brother's out there somewhere, he said, wiping the tears from his eyes. I have to find him. He seemed unfazed by the creepy dancing woman in the room. He scampered out of the room and I helped him move the refrigerator from the door before we walked out into the hall. Jake? His screaming echoed throughout the halls probably waking anything that lived within. We searched through some part of the rooms for about 20 minutes before that creepy melody from the game started playing again. Now I knew it was just a matter of time. He thought it was a good idea that we split up, and that's what we did. 
He searched the fourth floor while I searched the third. I was searching through a room when my flashlight started flickering before it turned off. I heard footsteps, at first believing they were mine, until I stood still and the footsteps continued. It was dark, the windows were boarded, blocking out any light from outside. Somebody else was in there with me, and I know it wasn't Joel because I heard his calls for his brother echoing throughout the halls. The door slammed shut and I felt a cool breeze run through me. Jake? I whispered. Are you in here? Everything was silent. The only thing I heard was Joel yelling. I then heard a voice, but it wasn't very clear. He's dead. It was a deep, dark, and sinister tone. I couldn't see anything or anybody, but I felt them. I felt their presence. I was lightly tapping my flashlight, trying to get it to work. I closed my eyes and I started counting to three. I was lightly shaking, and every part of me seemed to have a pulse. After three, the flashlight finally turned on and it flashed directly at some old dusty mirror, and I saw her standing right behind me. I felt her cold breath as it dissolved into my skin. I ran out of the room literally as fast as I could. I was surprised my heart didn't jump out of my chest because it sure did feel like it would. I walked back down to the first floor to the game. When I stepped in the room, I noticed someone standing over by the windows. It was Joel. He was just standing there in a fixed position, completely immobile. Joel? I walked toward him slowly. You okay, man? He turned around slowly. His face was pale and he had bags under his eyes as if he hadn't slept in days. And I wondered if I looked the same. Did you find anything? He asked, finally dropping back down to earth. I thought about the devilish woman I saw. No, sorry man. He sat back down at the table. I had a feeling that he didn't care what happened next. Like he didn't care to die. He didn't seem scared or worried. He was just, I don't know. Two seats were now empty as we continued the game. Kenzie's tombstone, I noticed, was moved to the bottom right of the board, right next to Jake's. I spun the wheel and landed on two. That kept me on gray. Joel spun the wheel and was forced to draw a black card. He took a card from the deck, and it read, She's watching you. He wiped the tears from his eyes with his shirt and looked over at the bedroom door where Kenzie's body lay still. It's her he said, crying. It's Mackenzie. I turned around, but I didn't see her. Either he was losing his mind, or she was actually there. I wouldn't be surprised if she was. I spun the wheel and landed on the same space as Joel, and that meant I had to draw a black card. I took a card from the deck and I read it. There's somebody at the door. A loud knock echoed throughout the room as Joel and I froze in fear. Joel and I stayed put as the knocking continued until the door suddenly creaked open. We heard the footsteps, but we didn't see anyone. Joel spun the wheel desperate to end the game. He was safe from the black and red cards as his tombstone stopped on gray. I spun the wheel, also safe from the cards. As Joel spun the wheel next, I saw Jake... He was sitting on the furnace, tapping away. His jaw hung low as if it were broken, and his eyes were dark, but I knew that he was looking at me. Joel had his back turned so he couldn't see him, and I guess he couldn't hear the tapping. He was completely oblivious to Jake's presence. I pretended like I didn't see anything, and eventually the tapping had stopped and he disappeared. Joel and I continued to land on Gray until eventually, Joel was forced to draw a red card. This is it, isn't it? He said to me, his voice becoming weak. 
I didn't say anything. I wasn't really sure what to say. He took a deep breath and read the card. Under the floor, you must peek. There's something there beneath your feet. I remembered the hole in the floor where I first found the board game. I showed Joel to the door, and he lifted it up. We flashed our flashlights inside to see what was under it. What we saw can unfortunately never be unseen. Joel immediately looked away in disgust when he saw what was down there. It was Jake. His corpse was already being infested with flies and maggots. There was no blood, but it was clear that his neck was snapped and his jaw was broken because they were each in unnatural positions. Joel just stood there, his back turned from the ditch. He wasn't crying or showing any kind of emotion. He just looked empty and exhausted, and I sensed that something was going to happen. And it did. Something down there grabbed Joel by his ankle and tried to pull him down. I tried to help him, but there was nothing that I could do. The game wanted him, and the game got him. They pulled him under, and the door slammed shut, and I was all alone. The melody started playing from the game, and I walked over to it, not knowing what to do next. My game piece started moving to the center of the board, and it stopped directly at the heart. The heart started beating. It had a pulse. The music got louder and louder. It was piercing through my head until suddenly, it stopped. My game piece moved all the way back to the beginning, where I first started. And that was it. The game was over. I left the building without ever looking back. I didn't want to go back to my dorm room where I would be alone, so I walked to the grocery store that was just a couple minutes away, and I cried to everyone there that my friends were all dead. I know they thought I was all crazy, and they called the police, and the bodies of my friends were found later that night. I told them the story. I told them everything that had happened, but they never believed me. The game was never found, but I know it was somewhere in that building. Somewhere either within the walls or under the floors. Haunted by the demons within. I can hear the melody playing right now as I sit alone in my room, surrounded by white walls and cameras. They're watching me. I can hear them. I can feel them. And I can see them. That game is somewhere in this world, and I pity the poor soul who finds it. I learned to live with the haunting melody that echoes wherever I go. And I sometimes put on my dancing slippers, and I dance to the melody. I dance around and around and around. And I dance to the sound of fear, because it's the only sound that I ever hear.